Welcome back to Straight to DVD. We're on our third part of our three-part Tarantino binge. Oh, yes. I like this. I like this. Yeah. We are here to talk about Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and everybody's favorite, Once Once Upon a a Time in Hollywood. Tarantino would. God, we'll get, we'll save that one for last. Will we? Do you want to just start with? A, no, well, no, uh, no. Let's let's start with let's, the other. Yeah, two. let's ease let's ease into it. Yeah, because yikers, yeah. my guy. I'm I'm sure you agree with me here, but these are probably my three least favorite Tarantino movies. I I would probably agree with you. Hateful Hateful Eight uh, and Hollywood are probably on the low tier for me too. Um, I think Jackie Brown is a good film, but I think yeah. I probably enjoy watching Django more. That's fair. Just because you know I it's like it's a bit yeah. more chewy. Yeah, there's a little more to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, if we're going chronologically, after Bastards comes Django Unchained. Django! Django! The Django! The D is silent, hillbilly. <laughs> Good gun noises. Thanks, dude. I went to theater school. Yeah. Django's a fun movie. Django is a fun movie. It's a, it's a really fun movie. Yeah. Well, I guess we should... Uh, this is... Uh, anybody who's a, a film nerd or a Tarantino nerd is going to know right off the bat that what we're about to say is going to make us sound like broken records, but this is... The chunk of three films that he's made without his longtime editor, Sally Mankey. Yes. And the thing about Tarantino is... After she passed, right? After she passed away. Yeah. Yes, she passed away. The late away. Sally Mankey. The late Sally Mankey. Uh, and the th- anybody knows Tarantino, he writes some bloated scripts. And as anybody knows, a film is saved in the editing room, and his editor, yeah. Sally Mankey, rest in peace was a very big part of why his earlier films were so fantastic. Mm-hmm. She passes away after Inglorious Bastards. We get Django Unchained, which kind of feels like two movies. We you can feel it. You can feel you can feel the loss of the editor. Absolutely. Definitely in all three of these movies. You can feel it a little bit in, in Django. Mm-hmm. Um I just think that whole scene with with Tarantino on screen and those other Australians or Kiwis or as the the wherever. Aussie slave drivers or yeah. whatever whatever they were wherever wherever they're supposed to be from that whole sequence can just be cut out of the movie you can just have <sighs> yeah. that that final shootout and he can blow up the house then and there and and that's that yeah we jump don't need the last jumping 20 minutes jumping right into the ending chunk of the film uh once Calvin Candy Leo DiCaprio dies and once uh Schultz Christoph Waltz dies. The film sort of derails a little bit and sort of becomes a third, not a third rather, but like a fourth act to the movie. Um, And really what you're saying is, which I agree with, is they really should have consolidated this fourth act and like incorporated it with the Calvin Candy Schultz deaths and made it so it all happens at once at, at once sequentially time. at the end yeah and it would have felt more concise I agree I agree yeah um, because it just drags on far too long yeah at the end there um but everything leading up to it I, I pretty much uh quite enjoy I love film. it 
I, I, I like it's it's just a lot of fun. It's really fun. It's a lot it's of a fun. It's a really fun movie. And the, the dialogue is really good. I think this is the one of the first movies, maybe a little bit in Bastards, where or or I guess also in Kill Bill, where he just like ramps up the violence. Like it is so insanely over the top and gory. Um that you kind of can't help but just laugh at it. I, I, I remember, I mean, I was re-watching it, you know, pretty recently le- leading up to this. And that whole, like, shootout scene, like, where there's just, like, blood spraying everywhere. And, uh, and like, there's just blood splattered all over the walls. And he, they're shooting at the dead bodies. I just found myself, like, by myself laughing out loud because it's yeah. so absurd. It's well, yeah, ridiculous. you get you get desensitized to the violence at that point. Yeah, that it's just like, what the hell is yeah. it like? Am I even watching? It's just it's yeah, psychotic. Just blood spray, just, just everywhere. Um, yeah, it is extremely violent. You know, coming off of bastards, and bastards is pretty fucking violent, especially yeah. watching a man get a swastika carved into his head. Yeah, but I um, mean, this makes bastards look like no, ab- absolutely. And I think a large a large part of at least up until the violence gets comical, there's like. So, so much of, of, of why the violence is borderline cringy is because of the, uh, you know, the oppressive nature of, uh, of the time period and, yeah. and you know, the slavery aspect yeah. of it. Um, and there's that scene where Calvin Candy sicks the, sicks the dogs on, uh, uh, on the runaway. On the runaway. And, like, you don't even really see it. Yeah. Because, like, you kind of don't Just need hear to. It. You hear it you and hear it's really it and horrifying. It's, yeah. Um, and I guess you know it is. It's an important scene because it it it, uh, it communicates to us sort of the uh, uh, the gruesome and and just merciless nature of Leo's cap uh, character. Yeah. And just how he's like just despicable. And probably and, just like slavery as a whole. Oh right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that was kind of why, or that's like the main reason why Schultz decides to kill Candy at the end. Right. Because. He, he he's tired of kind of just like idly sitting by while all this other stuff is happening. Right, absolutely. Yeah. He's, you know, so much of uh so much of their plan um goes awry, but they can walk away, but he he simply cannot yeah. walk away because of 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 what he's seen. Yeah. Knowing that this man w- would still be out here doing the same just vile things right. to people. Absolutely. Um Will Smith was originally supposed to play Django. I believe Tarantino wrote the yeah. Django part for Will Smith, but he turned it down because he read the script and was like, Django's not the main character. It's Schultz. It's Schultz. Yeah. At least until Schultz dies. Yeah. And then Django becomes I can the main see character. that. Um But you know, I, I I think that I think it's sort of a dual protagonist film. Yeah. Uh in a way. We uh, do get a little bit of a of a white savior narrative. But yes, I think it yes. it's pretty impossible to make. Um, I don't want to say impossible, but it's pretty damn hard to make a movie about this time period without uh, there being a, a white character to kind of aid right. the black character. Right. Um, and it's not like Django is like a secondary character; like he still drives a lot of the the movie. Like he has a ton of agency. Like mm-hmm. he's a great character in his own right, but. I understand what Will Smith was saying. Yeah, I mean, er, early on, it's it's very much like a, a a teacher kind of role that Schultz has with him, yeah. and it's it's around the 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 moment where Django gets his like blue velvet costume, yeah, and then they they go kill the Brittle Brothers that he yeah. like sort of 
becomes his own like strong yeah like character um and then it's sort of like a partner bounty hunter film for a while at least until they find out where uh Kerry Washington yeah is um but it's got it I was, what's redeeming about the film for me is that it's got that juicy dialogue yeah. in so many scenes yeah um of his and it's just like uh, the characters are a lot of fun and uh and it's just like the the dialogue is so witty, um, and sort of I guess like a, a tick against it though is that Christoph Waltz is kind of just playing a non Nazi Hans Landa. He, it's, it's he like, totally is. It's the same character more or yeah. less, or at least it's acted the same way. Yeah. And he he's w- a one he, trick pony, right? Fucking hack, <laughs> Christoph Waltz. Waltz. This uh, might be the quickest. Uh, we've gotten to Colin. To Colin, you want a hack? Yes, yeah. I think so. Well, he and you know who, who else is a hack? The Academy for giving him an Oscar twice in a row for, for the same. For oh this? yeah, he won for Django. I think Leo should have won for Django. Honestly, this is yeah. a be- honestly is the best acting I've seen Leo do. Yeah, was this film? I thought he was great. It was completely unlike anything he's ever done. Yeah, just so rotten and despicable, and yeah. just chewing on the scenery. Another instance of of Tarantino taking a, a well known actor and you know, kind of casting them against type to do something that they've never really done before. Similar to what he did with uh, with De Niro and, and Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And he does the same with Sam Jackson in this film, too, as sort of the uh, yeah the uh, the right-hand man yeah. to Calvin Candy. Also kind of a caricature. Very much so. Yeah. Another despicable, despicable character, just in terms of the hierarchy yeah. and the the structure of slavery that he uses in this film. Yeah, it's just like here's a man, an old slave who is like totally fine buying yeah. into this this structure. Yeah, and it's like disgusting and and despicable. I was kind of interested that Sam Jackson decided to take that role mm-hmm. because it's not. I mean, it doesn't really give him any opportunities to like show off his acting chops and like. The character is 100% just a caricature of, like, what a house slave right. would be. Right. But, whatever. Whatever. I thought he, he was did. great in it, yeah. Yeah. For what he had to do. Yeah. Um, well, he's sort of... It's weird. Like, once... Once... Uh, I almost called him Wal- Christoph Waltz. Schultz. Hans, yeah. Hans Landy. King... Sh- King, King, Sh- King Dr. King, Dr. Sh- Dr. King Schultz. Schultz. That's right. Do you think that name. was a little too uh, heavy-handed? It could be. Dr. King. Dr. King. This is Tarantino we're talking about. We didn't we didn't need that. No, we didn't Doc, Doc King. Yeah, that's probably the worst character name he's Yikes. he's given anyone. Yeah. But anyways, once we expect more from you. Yeah, come on, Quentin. Clinton. Clinton Tarantino, you heck. Uh once he and Leo die, um then sort of Walton Giggins, Walton Goggins, yes, and yes. uh and Sam Jackson sort of become the secondary and tertiary villains of the film. Yeah. And Django has to fight his way back. To save his uh, his woman, yeah, from Broom their clutches, Broomhilda, who speaks German, Broomhildes, Broomhildes, Broomhildes. The reason the film coming from bastards is maybe doesn't seem as as uh, as effective or as successful is because he's not really doing anything new with it, you know. It's just sort of like here's another like stylized western that he's doing. Yeah. But it's like sort of the similar stuff we've seen before from him. I I mean I guess you can argue that he's kind of like making a a slavery movie where the slaves kind of get to stick it to the man. 
to sure. the white man. Right. Which, right. in a sense, is kind of different. Um, but yeah, it's really just... It's another revenge flick. It's another Western movie. It's like really just a Western and nothing else. Or it's more spaghetti Western than a traditional Western. Right. Um, but it's cool. I guess he has some interesting things to say about race. I feel like a lot of people, you know, within the community had a lot of issues with this movie when it first came out. Um, it is, it is, you, you want to talk about, uh, dropping certain words and having certain opinions on, on race. He like goes all out with this film. He goes in and, but people, you know, defend him as, you know, by saying that, you know, you can't make a movie about this time without addressing that this is kind of how people thought. And for the most part, white characters in the movie are, you know, either like extremely evil or like so like idiotic and gross and like despicable that, you know, you, it's easy to, to see them as the bad guys um, with the exception of Dr. King, Dr. King. (laughs) Why don't you just call him Dr. Malcolm X King? (laughs) (laughs) The German dentist, Dr. Malcolm X King, the most benevolent, benevolent. I can't speak English today. The most benevolent white man in the United States at the time. Yeah. He was a German, which is pretty funny. Right. Um, I think that's just a funny little thing yeah. that Tarantino did to make the one benevolent white dude be a German. Obviously, before Germans would go on to do all of the nasty, awful things that they would do, but right. to kind of have that be the one. Right, 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 right. Well, there's the whole man, Mandingo fight scene. Oh God! Which is like, in the bar, right? Yeah, one of the most brutal scenes to watch. Yeah, it's just oh my God. Um, and I don't know if I mean. Obviously, it kind of reads like a bit of commentary on, like, society today and, you know, white people kind of sitting sitting idly and just, like, watching black people kill each other. Um, right. And also, like, the popularity of, like, things like the NFL, where white people go and cheer on people who are just, like, doing physical damage and harm to each other. And, like, right. Violence as a sport. And, like, making money off of, you know, like, the damaging of, of black bodies. Um which was, I mean, I don't know if he was, like, necessarily going for that kind of commentary or if he just thought it was, like, a cool way to incorporate more violence into his movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone can have any idea what's going on in Tarantino's head and whether anything, like... No. ...has, like, a deeper social context or if it's just, like, this would be a cool thing to film on camera. Right. Does, you know, does he get away... With uh, saying these things and filming these things and writing these things because of what he does to the characters doing these things in the script. Like, yeah. you know, like Django and Broomhilda, like, sort of have a, a happy, a happy ever after ending. Yeah. Um, and all of the horribly oppressive characters in the film get brutally murdered. Yeah. Like, with the exception of, of Candy. His That's death right. isn't very brutal. That's right. He just gets a, a bullet to the heart. Yeah, he gets a bullet to the heart. He has kind of a slow bleed out. Right. After enjoying a nice slice of hot cake. Yeah, hot cake. Yeah. Food. Once again, he loves using food, food. Yeah. food in his films. You'll notice this is something that uh, is in Bastards as well. Like the whole scene where they're eating the, st- the strudel. Oh, yes. With the cream. And yeah. then in this movie, they're they're just like munching on sweets and white cake. Well, his name is yeah. Calvin 
candy. candy. He's like he has this I, this fascination with villains in his films, like loving sweets. Yeah, and like chewing on sugary sweets. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Quentin's just he's got a he's got a foot fetish. He's got a food fetish. He's got yeah. a race fetish. Yeah, he has a race fetish. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Do you think he like wants to be black? Maybe I can't. I... See, th- this is the thing about Quentin Tarantino. I can't tell if he's a white guy who wants to be black or if he's a white dude who hates black people. Or maybe be- both. Because I feel like in all of his movies, there's this, like this weird like internal struggle between him like despising black people, but also like kind of wanting to be black. Maybe he hates black people because he's not black. Yeah, I have. I don't. Know. I have no idea. I don't know. And I guess it kind of all comes out in Django. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool though. And he tackles he tackles it uh quite a bit in Hateful Eight as well. Yes. Like race is a big yeah. big 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 well it's I mean it's in the title right there. It's like Yeah. It's all fueled by hatred. Yeah. Uh a a lot completely of unjustifiable hatred. Race race fueled hatred. Right. Right. Yeah. But he writes I think Aside from Jules, I think he writes probably another one of his best characters, also played by Sam Jackson in Hateful Eight, uh, the Major. Major Mar- Mar- Marquise. Major Marquise. Yes. Who's great character. deceptively you don't expect to be the protagonist of the film. You think like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be Kurt Russell. Yeah. The uh, Hangman. The Hangman. Yeah. When the Hangman catches you. Yeah. You hang. I feel like he's doing another John Wayne impression. In this, oh, absolutely. In this movie. Are we on to Hateful Eight now? Uh, sure, we can be. See you, Django. Adios. The D is <laughs> silent. Django. <laughs> uh, the Hateful Eight, Yeah. when I first saw it, really reminded me of Reservoir Dogs. Because it's another chamber piece. It yes. mostly takes place in one location, one yes. room. And it's just a character-driven drama. Yeah. About figuring out, ooh, what's, what's going on? What's happening who, Who's here? behind this? What went wrong? Yeah. Um, but that movie, you want to talk about a bloated film. That movie is way too long. And it could have been amazing. It could, I agree. Hateful Eight could have been one of Tarantino's best movies. Um, maybe if he treated it like the Kill Bills and broke it up into in, into two sections or, or something right, like that. Right, because you recently just watched the... Uh, oh, I watched the, the miniseries version right. on Netflix. The f- four-parter, right? It's broken down into four parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, each part is around 50 minutes long, mm-hmm. um, and it's way way easier to digest in that format than it is in a two-hour and 50-minute movie. I'm sure. I saw, when I first saw it in theaters, I saw the Roadshow version, which uh, has yes. has an, an overture of music. You get a big program, like a playbill of sorts, uh, and then there's an intermission uh, right after Sam Jackson kills Bruce Dern, and then the second act of the film picks up with him doing mm-hmm. his narration, uh, Tarantino doing yeah. the narration, as if he's reading the script. Hateful Eight feels like this is like Tarantino up his own ass. Like absolutely, it is extremely self indulgent. It's so self indulgent. Like he just got to the point where everyone is telling him how good his movies are, and he's the greatest filmmaker of a generation, and um, and there, there was like no one to rein him in on it, and he just like went balls to the wall, and he just couldn't control himself, and there was no one there to, to keep him in check. No, yeah, nobody could reel him in. His his editor, his new editor, didn't really know I think what to do. Yeah. With this extremely bloated script, because it's so funny, because like, 
aside from the whole ca- uh, horse carriage opening chunk, which is like fifty minutes, yeah, which really I think needs to it's it needs it's to be the entire first episode. Yeah, yeah is it? And they don't get yeah. to Mimi's they Mimi's get to haberdashery they get to until... Mimi's haberdashery at the end, right? And meet right. Bob, Bob, Senor Bob, <laughs> Senor Bob. Uh, it's just like in 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 terms of like a two and a half hour, two hour, forty five minute film, or at least in the theatrical cut. That opening like really needs to be trimmed down, and like I get, I get that like they have to, they have to pick up Major Marquis, and yeah. they have to find the sheriff, and then yeah. they have to get there, and they have to get settled in. But it's just like, you know, we're waiting. We're just like, okay, like yeah. when is the movie like gonna start? Gonna start? Yeah. yeah. It felt like an intro that could have just been like a montage, right? And it takes like 45, 50 minutes. Well, it could have been all of five, right? And the the problem with the plot, as you find out in the flashback when Channing Tatum shows up, is that. Oh, this all has to be happening and taking its time for the gang to, to have to, time to adequately set yeah. up the you know the haberdashery. The haberdashery. Yeah. So it's like, unfortunately, plot wise uh, and script wise, he sort of like is in a corner there and has yeah. to do it. Yeah. But the way it translates is just it, it comes across as so like bloated and tiring. But you know, once once they get to the haberdashery, like I'm kind of like, all right, here we go. Like now, yeah. it's like Things ooh, all these these. Bit. Colorful characters like ooh, like who here yeah. is trying to get Domergue? But there's there's still some some scenes in the haberdashery that that could have been cut down. Right, right. Like the Absolutely. hangman going around and getting everyone's guns didn't need to take mm-hmm. as long. Having Obi go out and dump the guns didn't need to take as long. Right. It's so. it's like we were saying. It's this self indulgent thing where his his earlier or at least some of his most successful films, in my opinion, something like Bas- uh, Inglorious Bastards or or Kill Bill. Or, or Pulp Fiction is like there's so much to these movies but there's no fat on them like everything yeah. that's there is like utilized and yeah. is necessary whereas like something like this Tarantino's just like ooh yeah no no take your time when you yeah. take that gun like let's have a, a nice yeah. 15 seconds yeah. you reloading your gun or whatever shit like yeah. that and it's just like uh, it adds up it adds it does add up, up. it does add up I um, will say though it reads a lot better as in the episodic form yes way easier to, to digest me. that way right I also want to talk about uh, about Tim Roth. Ah, yes. Um, the first time I saw it, I definitely thought it was Christoph Waltz, and then I just realized that Tim Roth was trying to do a Christoph Waltz. He definitely wrote that part for Christoph Waltz, and then yeah. probably couldn't get Christoph Waltz. And he was like, I'll bring in my old buddy, Tim Roth. Timmy, yeah. He was better at just lying on the floor in a puddle of blood. Right. Than... They shot me, Larry! Yeah, he, we need more of that, unless yeah. pulling out gigantic tobacco pipes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a, an interesting bit of trivia that, that I like about the film. And it's funny because you can see it in the take that he uses. Yeah. There's um, when the, the second act, so to speak, starts after Sam Jackson kills Bruce Dern's character. Uh, Daisy Domergue starts playing a guitar. Yeah. Um, and Kurt Russell gets angry at her and takes the guitar and smashes it. Yeah. It, is, it was an antique guitar they used in the filming, and he didn't know that it wasn't the, 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 uh, like the doubled prop. Yeah. So he smashed the actual priceless guitar oh, on no. set, and the actual take is of Daisy Domergue being like, whoa, 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 and she like looks off camera yeah, uh, because she's like, holy shit, that's the guitar. That's that's actually hilarious. Yeah. I don't know if it was insured. I don't know what it cost uh, yeah. the production, but it was like, ooh. Mm. But it's like, did you really have to get like this priceless guitar? You could have yeah. just, like, just gotten a prop. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. 
because we love making movies. <laughs> we haven't talked about that in That's any right. of the tell, earlier episodes. Tell us, Ref. Um, so th- th- there, there are stories going around. I mean, there, I think there are also videos. Uh, whenever Tarantino on set after they finish shooting a scene or maybe before they start shooting a scene he makes everyone on set every person actors camera people grip guys everyone he asks them all and why do we do this and everyone has to respond because we love Love making making movies and if you didn't think he was a psycho before that should be the final nail in the coffin who makes a room full of people say something like that absolutely even if you do love making movies, I don't want someone to make me say that. No, of every not. time I do something that you, involves me. You know what's going to make me not want to make a movie? You telling the, me that I love, love making, making movies. movies. Yeah. <laughs> what a jackass. <laughs> well, it's and you know like most of that film is also filmed in that one location, and they did it on a soundstage in California. And you know he wanted it to be like like zero degrees on on set for like the actors because they're like all yeah. bundled up and they're in this blizzard yeah. so like he actually had the sound stage like air conditioned and like they brought in ice and like made the whole place like well below freezing temperature for all the actors because he like wanted it to be a certain way what a fucking weirdo yeah it's like it's called acting quentin yeah let let them act yeah i will say though the uh the notion of of making a spaghetti western in a in a snowy setting, is fucking genius. Absolutely. Or just like a western in general, because we're. I mean, it's like it's the same thing. Like we're, you know, out on the frontier in these like super open, you know, landscapes and stuff, but you never see it in a cold setting. No, no. And at just all. like to add that, I mean, it obviously helps the story, but it's also just like a brilliant little like piece of filmmaking. Right. That he, Little, right. Nice little flavor that he adds, and the co- the costumes are fucking sick in the movie. Though I have to say, it might actually yeah. be my favorite part. Sweet Bob's or Senor Bob's coat. Sweet Bob. Sweet Bob. <laughs> sweet Bob. Sweet Dave. You're thinking of Sweet Dave. Sweet Dave. Yes, That's yeah. Sweet Dave's chair. Yeah. Uh, Senor Bob's coat is fucking absolutely. Dope. It's like they have all these pocket watches and chains and stuff, and like all yeah. this fur, these giant coats and and pipes and. And they're drinking brandy out of old glasses and yeah. shit, and like all the old pistols. Even stew. Yeah, that stew looks so good. Dude. Yeah, I don't usually like stew. No, but that stew that looks stew looks good. Bomb, dude. Minnie knows how to make a good stew. Absolutely, that sure is Minnie's Minnie stew. stew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is just there is a lot in that movie that could have been cut out. Well, yeah, I'm glad and that he didn't cut out though. What the dingus scene? Oh man, <laughs> uh, the the flashback. We actually don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. That story that Major Marquis tells to Bruce Dern yeah. about him torturing his son in the in the frozen tundra, forcing him to suck on yeah. his big black dingus. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true either. He's clearly just taunting him to try to get him to pull his gun on him so that yeah. he can, can shoot, shoot him. him. Right. Yeah, yeah um, probably not true. Probably not true. Yeah. But I mean well I mean Sam Jackson's character, you know, kinda touches on that later. Or maybe before, when they're talking about the uh the Lincoln letter that he forged right um you know how he uses it as a way to to disarm white people so that he can feel safer as a black man in america and you know obviously telling that story to to duran's character uh kind of disarms him so that taren or not tarantino so that sam jackson can then shoot him and you know feel a little bit safer right uh and it's funny like all that that whole time senor bob is playing on the piano and then right after Sam Jackson shoots Bruce Dern, yeah, 
uh, Senior Bob lowers the uh, the cover yeah. of the piano as if oh this whole sequence was Tarantino yeah. the maestro yeah he's being like and that was my first piece yeah. that's the first kill and now on to the next one right in that flashback he Sam Jackson refers to his to his to his penis as first a pecker yep then a Johnson yep then dingus <laughs> then dingus again and then another Johnson. <laughs> It's funny, and if I, you're wondering, I do have that in my notes. <laughs> it's funny because I never, uh, I never heard the term "pecker" in film before. But like growing up, my uncle always used to refer to his dingus as a pecker. <laughs> and growing up, I was so confused by it. And then I saw it in this film, and I was like, "Oh, it is something people say." <laughs> That's what it took for you to yeah. to realize that it's something that people say. Yeah, I needed Tarantino to affirm that for me. Maybe if it's something that Tarantino's saying, it, it's not. Used by the general public. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, and it's like after that sequence, then when Major Marquis, uh, after Kurt Russell gets poisoned by the coffee and poor yeah. old OB. Yeah. They're vomiting blood. Great everywhere. death scenes. Yeah, those were great death scenes. Yeah. That music just like ramping up while they're just vomiting blood and he like vomits blood all on Don McGee's face. That was incredible. It was incredible. Um, and then Major Marquis trying to figure out who did it. I roll my eyes. Because Major Marquis has this line where it's like, slow down, Chris Maddox. Let's slow it real down. Let's figure out what's yeah. happening here. And I was like, this is Quentin Tino. Quentin Tino. <laughs> this is Quentin Tino. Clinton Tino. Clinton Tino. Just masturbating, taking his time with his dialogue and yeah. his script. And I'm just like, you can like you move the story along a yeah. little bit, please? God. You, you guys should know, while, while we've been recording this... We've had a picture of Quentin Tarantino staring at us the entire time. That's true. Hold and it's it's been making me very uncomfortable. He's holding... he's Yes, it's a picture of Tarantino on a DVD box set directly behind the microphone holding a camera as if it's a gun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's he, very unsettling. He looks like a smug little wiener. <laughs> he does look like a smug little wiener. Yeah. I want to know about his, his like upbringing. Yeah. Like, what in his life caused him to be such a fucking weirdo? I don't know, dude. He's so strange. Maybe his dad forced him to walk around the house uh, shoe and sockless. Probably. Yeah. Fucking weirdo. Are there any feet in Hateful Eight? Any of Domergue? I don't think so. I don't think there's any feet in Hateful Eight. I don't think there's any feet in in Django either. I think there's there's no Kerry Washington feet. I don't think so. There's a little bit of nipple. That's right. There's a little bit of nipple. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of nudity. No, he doesn't. He doesn't Which do makes me feel like he's even m- more of a sexual freak. Yeah, yeah, the there's he... something going on there. Yeah, he's not right. Him. No. Someone get him checked Boy out. Boy ain't right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, yeah, so... In Hollywood? As these films go on, as we get to Django and then we get to Hateful Eight and they sort of get bigger and more bloated and sort of less focused... We come to the, his most recent film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that truly feels so disconnected from all his other filmography. Yeah. And, uh... In that it's bad. Raph, I... This movie is not about anything. No, it's terrible. And it's so weird because it's... it's The critics adore it. A lot of people who have seen it seem to adore it. It's got a great yeah. Rotten Tomato score. I was bored to tears. You cried? Yeah, 
Because you were so bored. I was so bored. I was like, get me out of here. Yeah, that's fair. Get me out of here. I was weeping. Could have walked out of it. I, yeah, but it was a 16 bucks. For, movie tickets these days are way too expensive. Yeah, let and me to, tell you. For three hours to sit there and watch a movie about nothing. Oh, this is like, okay, every, you know, people who know Tarantino is like, he's known for his, his great dialogue, his amazing scripts, his fun characters. This movie, like, didn't really have great dialogue. At all, like there was or no like, good yeah. Like, I guess Brad Pitt's character was probably was my like, my favorite if I had yeah. to pick. But he wasn't. Like, He's just Brad Pitt. He doesn't being, blow you away. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, like the acting was good. I guess like Leo, Leo was good in the part. Uh, yeah. Like Margot Robbie, she's you know, didn't really have anything to do. She's with yeah, Tate. Real wasted character. Uh, yeah. I really, I don't know, I don't even really know what to say about the film, because I don't know what he was doing. Like, I don't know what he was trying to do. I th- I think, from from what I've heard from other people, I, I've tried to get an understanding of why people like it. And it seems that he was trying to make a movie about a time in Hollywood that he really liked, that he really enjoyed. He thought it was kind of the heyday of Hollywood. And, you know, there's this whole idea that, you know, that time of Hollywood and... Um, just like kind of like American values in general died with the Manson murders, you know, mm-hmm. marked the end of the sixties, marked the end of this, you know, free spirit time. We were kind of, you know, ramping up things over in Vietnam. Uh, Nixon had just gotten elected, you know, uh, all this stuff was going on. We landed on the moon, all this shit's going on. And like these Manson murders were like the end, like, all right, like this is officially the end. Like we are now going to transition into a new phase in the 70s where we're not as like free spirited or like carefree as, as we were in the 60s and I think he was trying to like he was trying to capture that feeling in this movie and then obviously at the end for those who haven't seen it he kind of flips the script on the Manson murders and Sharon Tate's never murdered by members of Manson's family therefore you know, letting the idea or the ideals of the 60s kind of live on throughout the right. rest of history and, and within you, this Tarantino universe that he's built. Right. And if you have seen Inglorious Bastards, then this you see this ending coming from, from like five, five miles away. Yeah. <laughs> from like days um, away. But it's like, you know, the, the film is sort of building to the this this moment... And you're waiting for like two and a half hours for it to happen. Yeah. And you get there, and it's like, it's like, it's kind of unsatisfying. It was extremely unsatisfying. And it's like, I guess Brad Pitt throwing a can of dog food at a Manson cultist's yeah. face is fun. It's kind of funny, I guess. But the violence isn't even like, it is pretty over the top, but not in ways that we're used to from from Tarantino. No, it, and it, it just compared contextually in the film, it feels jarring. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, Tarantino is known for his violence and his witty dialogue, and and to get to the ending, the climax of the film, where you have this like incredibly violent five minute scene, for it to feel out of place is extremely bizarre. I think. Yeah. And like Leo taking a flamethrower and burning a woman in his pool alive. Yeah. It's like I get it. I guess that it's the joke payoff. Yeah. It's the flamethrower he used in the movie in the he movie. filmed in the movie. Yeah. The movie he filmed in about about about, about killing, about Nazis, killing Nazis, Nazis in the movie, in the movie which means that maybe Inglorious Bastards Inglorious Bastards exists within this right. Once upon a time in Hollywood universe, yeah. and there that, that was a movie about the Inglorious 
bastards. Yeah. Within the movie, he's getting. I feel like at I, this point, he's he's gotten like way too off the rails. Also, in terms of like this whole like universe building thing. Yeah. That may or may not have been going on, and I think he's trying to like confirm it. Apparently, there's a post-credit sequence where uh, Leo DiCaprio's character is filming uh, an advert for Big Apple uh, cigarettes. Uh-huh. And it's just like unnecessary. Like if you're gonna have Big Apple cigarettes in the movie, just fucking throw them in the movie. Yeah. Like have someone smoking them, and that's that. And like we know, like oh, this is a Tarantino movie because there's Big Apple cigarettes. Ha, that's funny. Don't make <laughs> me wait like it's a fucking Marvel movie for a post-credit scene. To see that you're like gonna that you're tying this all together and it ties in everything else, right? Like fuck you, dude. Like you're a total hack at this yeah. point. I mean, who gives a shit? Like just give me a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I don't need universe building. I just need a no. good movie. Yeah. And you're no Kevin Feige. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. Once upon a time, just it does not deliver. It it's it's a slow burn in the same way that Jackie Brown and The Hateful Eight are slow burns. Right. But. The burn leading up to the ending is, one, not interesting at all. No, it's not. Could have... Honestly, it could have been eight minutes. Yeah. it could. This could have been a 40-minute movie. It doesn't, like, communicate anything nuanced or interesting or thoughtful or anything, like, that we can't imagine ourselves. Like, he doesn't have any perspective on it that's unique in any way. Um, it's not like, oh, maybe this is how we should think about the Manson murders, or maybe this is how we should think about Hollywood. It's just like, yeah. no, it's just like self-indulgent. You either get this reference to 60s Hollywood or you don't. Or you don't, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, it's all unnecessary. I it's, think so, too. And so much of the movie is just fucking people driving places in cars. Yeah. It's like 45, like, cut that 45 minutes out of the movie. Yeah. I don't care about looking at the back of Brad Pitt's head while he drives down Hollywood Boulevard. The only semi-interesting scene in the movie is when Brad Pitt's character goes to the Manson Ranch. Absolutely. I and agree there's, Absolutely. there's a ton of tension. There's it's almost like a horror movie. There's some good point. dialogue. Yeah. Um, and he, he goes into the, the little house and the whole family is outside and you can see them from the from the screen door, you know, kind of just like looking at him to see what he's going to do in there. Um, it, it's really the only effective scene in the entire movie and the rest of it just like feels like a waste. Right, because he's, cl- he's clearly doing something with the scene. Yeah. Where it's like all these other scenes in the film, is like, I don't know what, like, what the point is of this, yeah. like, what he's doing with the scenes. It's not uh, for the story. No. It's not, there's no just like snappy dialogue that you can like quote with your friends. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't understand, like, I don't understand why we needed a like 15 minute scene of Leo being on set, being filmed, shot as a one take in the movie of the movie. Yeah. It's like, what is what does this have to do with the story you're trying to tell? And, like, why does it need to be this long? Yeah. I, I, I really, like, I, I, can't even, I, don't, I can't even imagine. Like, I'm so bewildered by the conscious choice to, to do that and include something like that. I feel like that was, I mean, just for that... What, what was his character's name again? Rick Dalton. I'm Rick fucking Dalton. God, yeah. Um, it was, I, I guess it was just to, like, show us that Rick Dalton, you know, isn't as washed up as we think he is, but we never really, like, come back to that at the end. No. Like. No. I guess we do after the non-Manson murders and he goes to hang out with Sharon Tate and then maybe he's going to be in a Roman Polanski movie. Right. But, like, either make the movie about how Rick Dalton, like, Rick Dalton's dying career, or make it about... Rick Dalton's relationship with his stunt driver, Brad Pitt, 
or make it about the Manson murders and, you know, all those ideals of the 60s. But it seemed like he kind of had elements of all three of these things and didn't satisfy right. any right. of them. It felt like three completely disconnected films and all of them were half-baked. Yeah. And, like, and not one of them really shines at all at the end. No. Or even throughout. Right. It almost feels like this would have been better in the hands of, like... Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen mm-hmm. if they wrote it as like a buddy buddy comedy about Rick Dalton and his stuntman whose right. name I'm also forgetting uh, Cliff Huxtable Cliff yes. <laughs> Cliff Booth Cliff that's Booth. his name Cliff yes. Booth but it feels no like... relation to John Wilkes yes yes which Fucking... is a stupid joke that he throws I in. feel like Tarantino thinks this movie is way funnier than it is it's not that funny it's not funny at all it's not that funny. No. There may be a few scenes where you chuckle. Yeah. But I think the, nothing... fu- the funniest scene is when Leo's like chastising himself in his trailer at forgetting his lines. And that wasn't even in the script. That was all yeah. improv. Or the the Bruce Lee fight is kind of funny. I guess that is when he throws Bruce Lee into yeah. a car. <laughs> yeah. Anybody kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's, it's called, called manslaughter. manslaughter. <laughs> I'm Lieutenant Aldo. Aldo Ray. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's unfortunate because like... His films seem to be getting, like, longer and longer and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, so hopefully he only does ten and then mm-hmm. calls it quits, because his... at this rate, he's he won't be remembered as, as the great director no, that he no. once was remembered as. I will say about this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood film, it's easily, I think, his most divisive of all his films. Are people, like, love it or people are like, no. Like, this really? Not... I feel like the majority likes it. Really? Like are we in the, the minority mind. here? I really? think so. That's so bizarre to Welcome, me, dude. dude. Welcome to the minority. But whatever his tenth film is, a lot of people seem to think it's going to be Kill Bill Volume 3. But What's would the... he just keep that as... I'm right. Would he consider that... Like, maybe he'll do two more movies. Yeah. Or like, is this R-rated Star Trek movie he's going to make one of them? Yeah. God, I'm not really excited about that. Is this a Star Trek that exists within his Tarantino-verse? Oh I just don't want any more Tarantino-verse building. Yeah, just... I, 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 like the, I like the cross-references between movies. I like that they all have, you know, similar elements and, you know, uh, kooky little little things that, that are included in all of them, like the big, big apple, red apple tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't, we don't need... We don't need a Tarantino universe. No, we don't. These movies are way more enjoyable when they're their own separate entities, and that's it. Yeah. He also doesn't do anything in this movie in terms of like blending genres or anything. No. Like, is it a is it a crime movie? Is it a is it a comedy drama? Is it a, yeah? Is it a buddy comedy? Is it? I, yeah. If somebody asked me like what the movie was or what it was about, I I don't know if I'd have an yeah. answer really. Which is a shame. Yeah. But. It's not good. No, it's really not great. And it's, you know, I I love pretty much all of his other films. So, like, it's so jarring yeah. to me to then see something like this that I feel so strongly in the other direction about. Yeah. It's like, well. Hateful Eight, I, I was never really a big fan of. But there are things in the Hateful Eight right. that I can pick out and enjoy. I, I don't think there's anything in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I can find myself no. enjoying. Maybe I need to give it a second viewing. Maybe a third viewing, a fourth viewing. The idea, I don't know if I have that much I, time. I know. The idea of sitting down and watching it again, like, is detestable to me. Yeah. 
who knows? Maybe we'll we'll rewatch it and and love it and have different and be thoughts. Like, wow, we were wrong the whole time. Yeah, I doubt that. I really don't think that's I gonna doubt happen. That. I think it's a bad movie. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I think it's a bad movie. Yeah, I think people are way off base about yeah. it. But do you think they just like it because they think they they have to? Because I, it's a I think they're just movie? like, whoa, it's Quentin Tarantino. It's been so long since his last movie. Yeah, and it's just like we have DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Hollywood. Are they just like finding things to like about it? I don't know. I mean, people have different tastes. Yeah, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, and we're those different folks. Yes, we are. Yes. Well, it's been real. It's that, been fun talking yeah, about Tarantino that these pretty past much, couple uh, of days. Wraps up our three episode series about yeah. Quentin, Cliff, B- B- Clinton, Clinton, Tino, Clinton, Tino. Clinton, Tino. That's right. Yeah. Um. You know, at at the end of the day, his filmography is just really interesting, regardless. Yeah. Um, and I am curious to see what he does next. Hopefully, it feels more like his classic stuff than the newer stuff. Um, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. We shall see. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, party Thanks people. for listening, guys. Yeah. Till then, be 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 cool. Mm-hmm.